0: Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude towards religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Batch.
1: If you don't like golf, don't hang up. I understand. And if you don't like golf, And you find yourself continuing to get to the golf course really don't hang up today we're going to be talking about golf but we're going to be making links to real life which could be soul changing for you for 25 years of my life i was a pastor and preacher i built churches preached every sunday met with hurting people and tried to be the real McCoy in contrast to the charlatans who seemed to get the news headlines that I never coveted. Sometimes I would get the recordings of my sermons and listen to them. It was a horrifying experience. (laughs) I was never able to say what I wanted to say as clearly, precisely, and compelling as I wanted to. In contrast, I would listen to great contemporary preachers who were communicating the very things I wanted to communicate. Why did they seem to be able to preach so much better than me? Was I mistaken in my sense of call to the ministry? While my churches tended to grow in numbers and spirit and vitality, shouldn't they be growing faster? Perhaps if I was more gifted, (laughs) more holy, harder working, and wiser strategically, I would see more fruit from my labor you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you weren't a preacher or a public figure submitting to the never-ending commentary of critics around you, but you had the voices in your head telling you, you aren't good enough, smart enough, talented enough, or charming enough to make the grade. Do you let it beat you down? Today, we get to learn from a man who has lived much of life in the rarefied air of golf's elites. He played in all four majors, even setting a course record for the Masters for a first-time participant in 1978 when he came in fifth. This man is a pro in many ways, an author, dedicated family man, and has much more than a casual relationship with Jesus Christ. Welcome Wally Armstrong to Church End. Thanks. Good to be with you. Hey, Wally. Give me the elevator speech on what it was like to be a professional touring pro 50 years ago.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it was a life, uh, changing thing for me, a, 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 dream come true from being a little, um, country boy from Indiana in the cornfields, you know, playing a little nine hole course and caddying and started looking for golf balls and selling them over the fence. That was kind of my first job in, uh, in the business of golf and, uh, I found myself uh, 30 years later on the PGA tour at the peak of the, of the game from coming from that little background.
1: But that's in, that's like almost, every, I feel like every man, that's every man's dream, yeah. not just <laughs> yours. You're this little guy in Indiana and, and you actually though, I mean, there's so much to your story. I wish <laughs> we could, we can't tell your story today. We can just yeah. tell little bits. I want to hear, you actually caddied let's start with you as a caddy <laughs> you actually caddied for one of the greatest players of all time how in the world tell me about that
2: well i was in college i was getting my graduate degree and i was a brand new believer in christ and a, a, a university of florida tour player dave reagan asked me to speak at his house in orlando and share with the rollins and stetson golf teams my story of faith and uh I had uh, given up the game and I talked to these guys and he said, Wally, you know, you, you need to use your platform of golf. He said, why don't you come out and caddy for me on the tour? I went out and caddy for him and at the first tournament at, uh, in North Carolina, we had a Bible study on the tour. I didn't realize there were guys on the tour meeting. Gary player was there. Uh, Gary and Dave Reagan and myself.
1: And this time Gary Dave player was already Gary player. I mean, Right,
2: Gary Player was, yeah, he was like the, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was around this guy, this, this icon of the tour. And uh, Dave said, Gary, if Wally could ever caddy for you, it'd be mean the world to him. He's a college player. And, and Gary said, well, there's nothing against you, Wally, but I haven't seen you caddy. And you know, it's a big business. I've never had another caddy except cricket, which was his caddy. And, Lo and behold, we get the pairings and we're paired with Gary player the first day, the second day and Sunday. And so we're talking and he's watching me caddy and the next tournament's the Byron Nelson classic. And I hitchhiked all the way to Dallas from North Carolina. And I get there on Tuesday, walk up to the clubhouse. Dave is there waiting for me at the front door. We walk in Byron Nelson is standing there and he's working with Dave's game. So he says, come in, let's have lunch. So I'm having lunch with Byron Nelson and Dave and there's Arnold and Jack. I mean, this is golf heaven. You know, it's the first Byron Nelson tournament about halfway through the meal. Dave looks over my shoulder and Gary players by the doorway going to the pro shop and motions Dave over and Dave comes back with a big smile on his face says, you can't believe what happened. Gary's caddy got sick back in North Carolina and he wants to know if you can caddy for him. So that was three weeks of, an amazing journey to caddy for, you know, got the top bag, one of them, uh, right out of the chute. And so uh, wow, he was uh, such an inspiration. And, uh,
1: and the end and of that really, story, he, he actually yeah. sends you a, a whole set of clubs.
2: He actually, the, yeah. The, the thing that was interesting about that is you see he had a contract with a banana company and <laughs> I had to carry these big bananas in his bag so he could eat them during the round he was he was with Chiquita and so uh, we did this the first two and I forgot to take the bananas out in Houston and he took them to New Orleans and they stayed in the bag and by his gear and gloves and so Saturday it was raining I'll never forget this most embarrassing you were talking about one of the most embarrassing moments of my life I was on my knees unzipping the bag and he had his umbrella up and it was he says get my clean gloves and my rain gear. He calls me Wooly, Wooly. And I remember zipping it, unzipping it. And and I thought there was a dead possum in there. And he just took his nose and he goes, what's in the bag? All of his rain gear and gloves are all stuck together at this black tar. And that was the end of my caddy career. But he did encourage me to, um, he said, if you're going to really have an impact for Christ, you need to go to the peak of your profession and so that was my real encouragement and like you said even after blowing the bananas with him uh three weeks later when I got back to Indianapolis there was a staff bag and woods and irons and balls and gloves from Gary and it really came true because 10 years later I was playing a practice round with him at the Masters with uh, him and Seve Ballesteros that's just one of those miracles you know for me
1: you know i i said ahead of the show i just can't let you keep going because the stories and people love hearing the stories of of the greats and mm-hmm. and i mean you spent your life really hanging out with these guys and and yet a lot of people haven't heard of wally armstrong You mentioned <laughs> that you set a record the first time you played the masters which in and of itself it's like i can't imagine the nerves of actually playing oh, the gosh. masters again everybody's dream just play we have a mutual friend who's a theologian, R.C. Sproul. I remember he said to, you know, one time he said, I'd give up all of my books and all of my achievements <laughs> academically if for are just, just what? Oh, just one green jacket. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. and I remember being so disappointed, you know, this theologian would be so petty as to throw away such things in his mind. Tell me what it must have been like. I mean, your accomplishment of how many years you stayed on tour, many of our listeners are not, you know, don't know the insides of golf, just staying on the tour itself. is a huge accomplishment. It's, it's really hard. And you were right? there what? 11, 11 years,
2: 11 years, 300 tournaments. You had to be in the top 60 money winners to retain your, you know, exemption. And so I was able to do that. Uh, and one year I had six top 10 finishes And, um, you know, uh, fifth in the Masters and 13th in the British Open and, and uh, second in the Western Open in Chicago at, uh, and I made a grand total of 62,000. And uh, that's uh, like last place now in some tournaments.
1: That's when I asked you about what it was like 50 years ago. (laughs) What I was thinking you were going to mention is if you had done what you did now, I mean, you'd be a really wealthy dude.
2: Uh, About 3 million, I think, or or more, but even finishing fifth in the masters, I made 11,500. And last year, fifth was 460,000, which was more than I made in my whole career. But, but uh, it was a great experience, John. And But, you know, the, the thing that hit it off in that Masters, the last round, the last hole, I'm playing right behind Gary Player. Here's this guy that I had totally blown it on with the bananas. And to look at him on the green, the last hole, and, and he ran in that 20-foot putt. I'm standing, but there's no one between me and him. I'm in the fairway. And to see him make that 20-footer and give it the fist pump, and to just think back 10 years before I'm on my knees just praying, God help me, I've blown. <laughs> it was a uh, amazing uh, flashback, you know.
1: Well, let's turn to why you were on Church Hurts and, but actually go from I just simply can't imagine looking at that leader list on Monday or probably Sunday evening and looking at all the names. Yeah, And everybody only knows number one. And you look at yourself sometimes and you're down there, you know, and people don't even realize the guy made the cut. I mean, that's, that's a big deal itself, but to see all these people ahead of you and to see the numbers printed in the newspaper. I mean, how much did you beat up on yourself?
2: I don't know. It, It was, uh, I was just happy to be there. I think that that was the thing that, that, just being out there is coming from my background. It was such a blessing. And, uh, I look back and I think about the, the, the people I played with the the pro-ams, you know, the celebrities, I mean, playing like four days with Clint Eastwood, you know, and at Pebble beach, um, Roger Staub. I mean, you meet all these celebrities and, and, when you get them on, you know, your front, they're nervous being around you. You know, I, I played, I remember I played nine holes with Jack Lemon, Sean Connery and Mike Douglas, and they were like shaking because they were being around a tour player. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but tell, tell me how this performance thing, uh, you would, yeah. you were a Christian from the time you were in college and you were involved with other Christians on tour, which, which yeah. were significant men in your life, but you still were missing a point. That you had to figure out later on. Tell me about
2: that. I had a I had a very difficult upbringing with an alcoholic father that was very condescending and and beat me up and told me I was dumb and stupid. And so I my, I I uh, became so performance oriented to prove to him that I was worth something. I was going to make it. I was going to prove to him and and um, I never met his met his expectations. I, I tried so hard. And I win one tournament after another. I was number one in the state in wrestling. I was number one in the state in golf. It never got any, you know, I'm proud of you. And so when I met Christ uh, in college, I took the same zeal I had towards uh, Jesus. And through counseling, I found out what I did is I put the face of my dad on the face of Jesus. And I never felt like I was ever good enough for him. And so when i played uh on the tour there was inside i was internal. there was a lot of self-condemnation i was just striving so hard to to make it and uh, i never really i don't feel i achieved my full potential as a as a pro because i wrestled so hard with this uh, self-image of of shame and and inside anger um and it really wasn't until uh later in life that i was able through counseling to really deal with that uh that voice in the back of my head, you know.
1: <laughs> there was a book that helped you. Talk to me about that. A guy, basically, a nineteenth-century preacher.
2: Well, I yeah, you, know, you know, I wrote the book in his grip uh, that sold I don't know three hundred fifty thousand copies. I wrote uh, a number of books. I spoke all over the country, but I just never felt like I was this authentic. I, I a Christian. I just felt like there's something missing in. I was reading a book by Dallas Willard on spiritual disciplines. And I mean, I ate that stuff up, you know, Uh, journaling and, and, and memorizing scripture and reading them. And yet I found this uh, book called the transforming friendship of Christ that weather weatherhead, I mean, is Leslie Weatherhead was his name that wrote it. in 1929. Willard Dallas Willard referred to him. And when I got this book, he just, really expounds that the, the thing we're that that is missing with most people is they don't have a clear picture of Jesus in their mind. And I certainly didn't. I thought I was never good enough to be around him. And I knew that he loved me, but I didn't think he liked me. And so in this book, he says to, in your mind, conceive, mentally imagine this modern day person. What if Jesus was here today and you met him and he just wanted to be your friend and a a fellow companion, someone you could really talk to and walk with and enjoy life with. And I'd never thought about that. And he encourages you to pull up a chair and just imagine this modern day Jesus, the personality, and then to just begin to talk and to begin to to converse. And, uh, and that happened in my den right here uh, in 2004, when I just sat back in my chair and uh, And he became real for the first time after 34 years of, of striving uh, and working and trying to be a slave. I realized that that it wasn't what he really wanted. He just wanted a friend and he offered that to me. Let me me
1: just highlight um, that book for a minute. And even another point, the transforming friendship um, by Leslie Weatherhead. It reminds me of how we can get really good stuff from somebody who's not 100% right. Leslie (laughs) Weatherhead went on to really become a heretic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But in that book, he really does help you see things right right the way he starts the book out itself. of Basically, um, a man asking Jesus to come home and and Jesus said, no, take me to your work. I mean, the book's worth just that image of imagining how Jesus responds to us, and how many people, Wally, do you and I know who've had to go through that struggle of trying to live a performance-based faith, of trying mm-hmm. to get God to like them, of trying to keep enough commandments, of trying to be good enough, and how many ways can we say that doesn't work, right?
2: Absolutely. I yeah, mean, you've gone around the country so important for people that, to deal with their, you know I've had Debbie and my wife and I opened a beautiful uh, biblical counseling center here in Orlando. It's been going for 26 years.
0: We opened it really
2: for ourselves but <laughs> selfishly but, uh, <laughs> but I've really been able to go back and deal with my my uh, situation with my father and I've and I've been and through counseling I've been able to go back and meet him and confront. And really, I got to a point where I just really had compassion on him through this uh, system that they have. And, uh, and that really freed me up when I could uh, could really go back and love my dad. And uh, I couldn't even talk about it before. I mean, I couldn't even say this to you. I would break down. And, right. uh, but there's a lot of freedom when you can get to a, a, a really solid biblical counselor. I mean, I would encourage people that, I mean, I've still got huge issues, you know, because it, I wrestle with those. But uh, it's only when I can just just pull up a chair wherever I am or wherever I'm going, and just sit down and be quiet and listen to that still voice of of Jesus saying, "It's okay. Just slow down." You know what you got you, know what you did right. Control. <laughs> what
1: what you did right there, Wally, is something I find that's very hard for preachers to do. Uh, I, one of those preachers that I used to listen to that I thought, I wish I could be, you know, communicate as well as this man. He would talk about problems that he had had in his failings in the past, but always then bring it into a nice, neat little bow. Those were problems he'd already figured out how to deal with. He never really talked about, you know, but I'm struggling now. And as, as you just did, you know, like I don't have it all together. I really don't. I'm struggling that's something hard. That's a kind of transparency that I think that's really hard for people to realize you may have learned those things in 2004 over time, but man, you're still working
2: on it. Aren't you? I'm still, yeah, I'm still working.
1: (laughs) Hey, let me just, let me just distract you for a minute because Uh, we've had the privilege of, of playing a few rounds of golf together, um, over the years (laughs) and, and, um, I'll just tell the listeners um, whether or not you've heard of Wally. I I don't know anybody that um, has a golf swing that you do, Wally. I mean, it just is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Do you happen to remember the first time here you're hanging out with the top people in the world? Do you remember the first time you saw a double eagle?
2: That's, yeah, you. I mean, I've never, you're the only person I've ever seen one. Ever in person, and of course you don't remember, but I, but it was a par five with R.C. Sproul, and we had this match going, and I knocked it up about four feet, and for a, a basically a gimme eagle, and then you hit it in the hole for a two, and came up and said and gave me my eagle putt with a big <laughs> smile on your face. uh I'll never forget that at Wakaba kind of Golf Course. But
1: uh, if, having been on tour all those years, isn't that crazy? <laughs> But you you wrote a book, and here's one I bet you, you, you don't know. It just is amazing, though. But you wrote a book, The Mulligan, and that's a book people need to go out and get. You can still get it. You can order it on Amazon. You can get it on iBooks, whatever. In terms of Mulligan, there was a time I was playing Up in this dive course. I don't think you know it, but actually was run by Dick Grote and Jerry Lynch. If you can imagine, they owned this little golf course in Western Pennsylvania. And I was playing with this man by the name of RC Sprouls, just the two of us out in a golf cart. Oh, yeah. And we were hitting down to a par three over water, little things stuck in the woods. We both hit the wrong club. And he said, Oh, okay. He was my boss at that time. He said, Okay, let's take him all again. We both put down our mulligans. We both hit holes in one. True really story. Can. You you know the odds no. of hitting a hole in one, right? We both hit a hole in one on our mulligan. No one else around to see it. <laughs> but here's the point. And for any of our listeners who know, R.C. Sproul was one of my major teachers. Yep. He's written like fifty thousand yep. books. But all he could talk about the rest of the round was how his hole-in-one was better than mine.
2: <laughs> and, and I brought it up
1: to him like 30 years later, and he remembered exactly. He's like, it was. He said, your ball
2: did this and spun up the hill. It's not supposed to.
1: <laughs> Isn't golf-filled with the stories, right? He
2: was a ball. I mean, I he was the most fun guy I ever played golf with. Of course, I could never. I wanted to talk theology with him. I had all these questions, and I never could get, get one in. He wanted into golf. <laughs> Golf, but, uh now that's what's beautiful about golf is you just, it doesn't matter your handicap. It doesn't matter your occupation. I mean, you can go out and enjoy golf, uh, whatever level you are with, you know, with people. And of course, I love playing with brothers like RC and yourself and others. And we have a, uh, there's a ministry I started called Lynx Links Players, lynxplayers.com, which is a wonderful website that we started when I was on the PGA Tour. And it has stories of all the guys that are Christ followers on the tour. Um, And then if people wanted to hear a little bit about my story, they can go to my website at wallyarmstrong.com. And that has my my story and a little bit more about my faith and what have you on it.
1: And actually, I should say to the golfers who are hearing this, and this is OC Talk Radio is one of the versions this comes out on um and if you're in Orange County and a golfer and want to get more involved um you have a uh links players guy right here Derek Wong yeah. you can look where would they find him
2: linksplayers.com if they go to linksplayers.com they have uh they have about eight staff around the country there's maybe 70 or 80 country clubs that have small groups going and uh, if they go on that website, they can find, uh, you know, there may be a club in their area where there's a small group going. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where my, my heart is now is uh, continuing to write. We're doing actually a movie uh, this spring. We're shooting a movie on the Mulligan book that will be a motion picture. And, uh, and then, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm working with the Payne Stewart Family Foundation with a kid's church program. You got
1: to show us your cap. I, I wore in, in your honor here. You got,
2: show us the, the,
1: show us the real one.
2: You got you have it there somewhere. Cap, don't you? Yeah, yeah. This is a actual, uh, look at this.
1: This is the real, uh, the real thing.
2: A cap that Payne won. It's got the NFL on it. Stetson hat. I wear this. I play hickory golf now and, and I wear it in remembrance of him with my knickers. So I got my knickers that I wear
1: the best dress Just player. ever.
2: great, uh, his great story that is going, and there's, uh, the kids program. If they want to go, uh, get more about this program, they can go to painstuart.org. It's really neat how the players have, have got behind this, the exhibition they had at Payne's Valley, you know, with Rory and Tiger, um, they, they, uh, raised a million dollars. And, uh, a third of that went to, uh, uh, the the Stewart Stewart kids golf program. So we're going to be able to, uh, produce a wonderful program for little kids in the churches now and reach them for Christ.
1: Well, we're going to have to go in a minute. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want, before I close, I, tell me, tell me another, tell me another story that you like telling from the men you knew on tour who were very serious Christians. Can mm-hmm. you tell me one more before we go?
2: Oh, gee, there's, there's so many that were out there. I could, I could say one year we had a good group going. We had Larry Mize and and, and Scott Simpson and, and Tom Lehman and Bernard Longer. And one year we had, uh, we had three major tour winners, the first three majors uh, from our Bible group. And I remember going into the PGA championship, which was the last one of the year. And Tom Watson came up and said, Hey, Wally, where's the Bible study next week? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I guess the really wonderful thing about going out there is spending those 300 tournaments, but yet seeing, uh, personally seeing other men come to Christ like Larry Nelson and Bernard Longer and Scott Simpson and, and to see what they've gone on to be. uh, Ben Crenshaw is, is a wonderful believer now. And of course on the tour, now the Bible study is still going. You've got Zach Johnson and you've got so many wonderful Men out that are continuing to carry the carry the torch for uh, for Jesus through golf.
1: Well, Wally, I want to thank you for being here and just say a few words before I close. Um, today's show is titled "Making the Links." Links courses in golf happen to be my favorite type of course. Each mm-hmm. hole has a distinct character, and sometimes there is quite a distance between one hole and the next. New players on the course may even get lost between holes, going down the wrong (laughs) path, having to backtrack to find the next tee box, stopping along the way, embarrassed as they ask for directions, making the proper links in life is a lot like that too, particularly in your spiritual life. It's easy to connect the wrong dots, associate one thing with another when maybe they shouldn't be together at all. For Wally, this included mistaking Christianity for Christ, his demanding earthly father for the heavenly father. Once he got that figured out, he started making the links that really mattered. He found freedom he can't keep to himself. He found a loving God who was his friend, his counselor, and his buddy in a profound and meaningful way. My hope for you today is that you can apply this to your own life. Are you missing key links connecting one thing to another that doesn't need to be? Is it possible the God you dismissed wasn't the God of the Bible at all, but a perception you got from a bad preacher, a painful experience you had with a misguided teacher, the judgment you found from self-professed spiritual leaders, a church that was more of a country club. Mm. The whole basis for church hurts and is rooted in what we've talked about today, It's easy for us to connect the church with hurt, bad experiences, and memories we'd rather forget. I get that. I also know that it doesn't need to be the end of the story. Ask Wally. Ask me. Joseph Scriven was born in 1819. I bet you've never heard of him.
2: Have you heard of him, Wally? Oh, yeah. Ah, He was
1: educated at Trinity.
2: Amazing.
1: uh, Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. And he became a teacher. Life was good for Joseph and then he fell madly in love and he was about to wed when his wife to be on the day before his wedding was traveling to him, fell in a river and drowned in the depths of his grief. He moved to Canada and I'm tempted to make a statement to my Canadian friends that I won't, but there he met and fell in love with Eliza rice. And once again, planned to marry only weeks before the wedding eliza became sick with pneumonia and died joseph ended up taking a vow of poverty and lived a life of service to those who needed comforting when news came that his mother in ireland was very ill he was really discouraged that he didn't have the money to get back to her but rather than wallow in his sorrow he wanted to send her something so he sat down and penned these words hoping she would be encouraged by them well you may have never heard of joseph scriven unlike wally I bet you've heard these words. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble everywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, friend. Now there is a link worth making, and it's worth a thought. For Church Hurts and this is John Bash, go and enjoy God today.
0: Won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure. And brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts And. Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is the Shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us <laughs> at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, church hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end. Enjoy God today, won't you?